Thanks, Nick. And it is so good to be here with you guys today. My name is Scott Tuminello, and along with my wife, Casey, and our three daughters, we live and serve in Copenhagen, Denmark, in Europe. And we've been there the past four and a half years. For, the, for a few years before we were in Copenhagen, Denmark, we were in Chiang Mai, Thailand. So we have a little bit of a broad perspective on missions and global missions, uh, different cultures, and, and we're also Mississippi folk. So uh, Casey grew up in Olive Branch, went to Olive Branch High School, graduated from Olive Branch High School, and then we met in Mississippi College. And I'm, I'm a Jackson guy, I'm a big city guy, um, and we, we love Mississippi, though. We do. We love Mississippi. Uh, amen. Mississippi also is a different culture, though, than, than Thailand and, and Denmark. So uh, we, we want to say, I want to personally say thank you. Uh, thank you because First, ba First Baptist Olive Branch is a, is a huge reason and, and method in which, in which the Lord led Casey to himself. And, and so thank you to the local church. Thank you to the local church here at First Baptist Olive Branch. And then, and then thank you from uh, nearly 3,500 uh, missionaries globally. Thank you to you guys as Southern Baptist uh, through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. That money goes directly overseas to, to only overseas work. And so the reason you guys give is for us to go and serve and tell people about Jesus. And we're so thankful for the Southern Baptist churches to cooperate together and give through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. It is a huge blessing to our family. and It is a huge blessing to many, many families. And the Lord is doing mighty work uh, through your giving. So thank you. Thank you for that. It's so cool to be here on Great Commission uh, Sunday and in this focus on the Great Commission offering. Um, you know, I'm representing just one of these segments, the International Mission Board, where we do uh, global missions. We do missions outside of the United States. But it's so cool to see all of these things come together, all these pieces come together in which you guys are giving to international missions, but, but also to missions within North America. And then missions within Mississippi, and again, missions in Olive Branch. And as Pastor Jared said, it, it starts here. It starts here with our neighbors, our friends, our colleagues, our schoolmates. And it goes out from here. So it all starts here in the local church. I want to do two things today. I want to walk you through uh, a biblical basis, a biblical foundation for this great commission offering, this missions, why we go and do these things. And then I want to take you guys on a journey, uh, a journey through where we've been as a family, a journey through some of our time in Thailand and some of our time in Copenhagen, Denmark, with some pictures and some commentary behind it that I think is, is good. And it, but, but we base it all on Scripture, right? So the first thing I want you guys to do is turn to chapter 15 of Luke. Luke chapter 15. While you guys are turning there, real quick, I want to go back to the scripture that was read this morning uh, during the songs. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the first thing that we want to think about in this three-part, you know, it's, it's a Baptist it's a Baptist message, so we got three parts. Three-part message is that, is that we're commanded. We're commanded, called, and commissioned. But first of all, we're commanded. We're commanded to go. We're commanded to go and make disciples of all nations. All nations includes Olive Branch, 
It includes all of Mississippi, all of North America, and all of the world. It's not a lot to this one. This one's pretty simple. The Lord says, go, and out of our obedience, we go. We go across the street, and we go across the world to serve and to, and to make his name known. The second point there is, is we're called. And that's where I want to camp out for just a few minutes and read Luke 15, chapter, I mean, chapter 15, verse 1 through 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that's lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The reason that I looked at this one and I said that we're called, you know, we're commanded to go and he says go. And then that we're called, we're called to have the heart of Christ. That's what we're called to do is to have the heart of Christ. If you guys remember in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, it says, whoever, whoever says he abides in him, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So if we say as, as believers, as followers of Christ, that we abide in Christ, that means we need to have the heart of Christ. And this is the picture. This is the heart of Christ. Earlier when Landon got baptized, we saw new life come into. Pastor Jared said, let's celebrate that. Let's rejoice. It's right to clap. It's right to get excited. It's right to get excited when we see lost people come to faith. Just look a few verses down in the parable of the lost coin. Same chapter, 15, verse number 9. When she finds the coin, what does she say? Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he goes down further in the parable, parable of the prodigal son. In chapter, same chapter, verse 22. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Just a few, a few verses later, after the older brother grumbled and said, Hey, father, you never killed the fattened calf for me. The father says to the son, Son, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and he's found. You see, if we go back and look at the first part of chapter 15 there where the, the scribes and the Pharisees were, were grumbling. Can we all just be honest in here and say, you know, sometimes we, we look around and we say, man, this guy, he's hanging out with the wrong crowd. Or he's hanging around. Hanging around with sinners. Can we be those people who, who grumble a little bit? I come to church every Sunday and he's out there hanging with people. Listen, Jesus didn't live the life that they were li living, but he was among them. He was among people who didn't know him, drawing them to himself. Two chapters later in, in chapter 19, when, when Jesus goes to see Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was a sinner. 
And it says in chapter 19, verse 7, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. This is when he was inviting Zacchaeus to, to eat with him, right? He's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And why does Jesus do that? In verse 10, in verse 10 it tells us, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek and to save the lost. And so that's what we're called to do. We're called to have the same heart as Jesus. And Jesus had a heart for lost people. He wanted to see lost people, spiritually dead people, come alive and experience life in its fullest. And we're called to do that in Mississippi and all over the world. So we're commanded, we're called, and we're also commissioned. In Acts chapter 13, it's a beautiful picture of the local church. In Antioch, they were there, and it says in verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Just a few verses down, it says, when they arrived at Salimus, they proclaimed the word of God. So we're, we're commanded, we're called, and we're commissioned from the local church. And I know some of you guys are thinking, yeah, I haven't been commissioned to go anywhere. When you come into membership within a local church, you're commissioned. When you become a believer in Christ, he commissions you to go. Casey and I have been commissioned by our local church, First Baptist Jackson of Mississippi. We've been commissioned by the International Mission Board, and we've been commissioned by Southern Baptists as a whole through the trustees of the International Mission Board to go and to serve overseas. But there's some that have been commissioned by North American Mission Board to plant churches within North America. There's some that have been commissioned by churches through our, our convention here in Mississippi to serve and work in Mississippi. And they're, all of you guys have been commissioned from First Baptist Olive Branch to serve in your communities to serve your neighbors, to speak with them about the love of Jesus, to, to serve your coworkers, to serve the people around you, your family, and tell them about Jesus. We've all been commissioned. So why do we do it? Why do we go? Why do we do these things? Why, do, why, did, why did we move our family of five and our three? Listen, guys, I got three daughters. Y'all pray for me. I don't have many men in my house. Y'all pray for me on a daily basis, please. But why do we do it? Because we're commanded, we're called, and we're commissioned to do it. So with that biblical basis down, I want to talk a little bit about what this looks like in a real-world scenario. Um, so we're going to go through some pictures here of people around the world, and I'm going to give a little bit of commentary while we look through them. I, before we get into that, I, I, I want to say, like, we, we didn't jump into the mission field. We didn't just immediately go, you know, from, from zero to 150 and be in the mission field overnight. Uh, Casey and I began a, a journey in, in 2011 of the Lord leading us to do something different. And what we committed uh, and what we see is a biblical way to discern how to, how to go through these thought processes is we took a step. We took a step with the Lord. And so we said... We feel like you're leading us to do something different. Let's pray about it. We took another step. We said, let's get our Sunday school leaders and teachers involved with some of the stuff that we're, we're seeing in our lives and some of the stuff that we feel like the Lord is teaching us. 
we took another step and we said, let's, let's get our pastor, our local pastor involved in what this might look like, what we think the Lord is leading us to do. Let's take another step. Let's apply to see if uh, overseas missions is what we want to do. Let's take another step. When the International Mission Board in invited us to an interview process, let's take another step when he asks us to move to Chiang Mai, Thailand. Let's take another step when he calls us back home for a few, a few months and then to, to Copenhagen, Denmark. And we're taking another step now. And we're taking another step tomorrow. What, see, what we've realized is that when we try to take big leaps, we always mess up. But when we walk with the Lord, when we abide in him, and when we take a step every day, that's when we're in step in step with the Lord. And sometimes he carries us through those times. So let's, let's take a look at uh, what, what people around the world look like. Because I, you know, I know a lot of you guys have probably traveled overseas, but some of you may not. And, and the, the world looks differently uh, everywhere, you know, a lot of places than, than Olive Branch, Mississippi. So in this first picture, I, I want to show you, it's, this is uh, the iconic picture of, of Denmark, where we live. And these are the, the colored row houses that are beautiful and a, a canal right there where, where ships used a long time ago used to come and, and dock and, and still do. Um, but, but these people that are all there, they're, they're busy. They're busy people and they have, have real lives. Like we have real lives, real lives here. Um, this is a good day here in Copenhagen. Uh, there's blue sky. It's about 50-50 whether or not we have blue sky in Copenhagen. The majority of the year, it's about uh, 50 degrees, 45 to 50 degrees, uh, cloudy with rain and about 30 mile an hour winds. And so on this day, it was beautiful and we were out. Everybody was out and about. In the next picture, it shows a, a, a square, a market where people go and, the, and they eat outside and there's a flower shop to the right and people, they live their lives. They live their lives a lot like people here in, in Olive Branch live their lives. In the, in the next picture, it shows from above a really fancy, fancy part of town, a, a fancy square with a lot of really nice shops and, and uh, Gucci and Coach and all the fancy brands that we don't ever get to even go in the store. They don't let us in. Um, <laughs> In the next picture, it shows what happens in wintertime. It's a little different than Mississippi as well. What happens in, in the wintertime when the lakes freeze over? And, and again, it's hard to tell, but this is actually a sunny day. And when it's sunny out there, man, everybody just goes outdoors. And there's community, and there's people, and there's lives. And most of these people don't know who Jesus is. The next picture shows a, a, a market. This is a totally different perspective, but it's a market uh, in, in Chiang Mai, Thailand, where people go and they get their, their fruits and their veggies and, and meat and um, whatever they may need for the day or for the week, and they visit these markets, and it's a common thing. In the next picture, uh, this is a, a fun picture for me. This is a traffic in Thailand. Now, now, traffic is different in Thailand. I loved it. I loved driving there. Casey didn't like driving there very much. I loved driving there. The, the rules within traffic in, in Thailand, let's just say they're flexible. <laughs> so this is a two-lane two lane, uh, road here. We could go four wide easily in that two-lane road. So carpool even looks a little different. 
and you see the, the, the truck back there, although I, I know where we're at, so back out in the country in Olive Branch, it might look similar. But uh, carpool looks a little different. In Copenhagen, Denmark, on the next slide, the Copenhagen, Denmark traffic looks a lot different. We bike almost everywhere. So bicycles are the main mode of transportation in Copenhagen. And so there's bikes just everywhere. That's the way we get to and from the kids' school every day. And it's just a normal thing to see bicycles. When it's not bicycles, in the next picture, it'll show you a, a, a metro system, a, a subway, um, subway train. And w what we realize is uh, people are busy. And, and that's kind of the thing that we're trying to point out here, that, that people are busy. They have real lives. In the next picture, it shows you kind of what they're busy with. All of those little circles are cell phones. I, I'm a big... I, I, I hate cell phones. I'm not a technology guy. I think cell phones are taking over the world. Uh, yes, of course, I have a cell phone. I look at it way too much. Um, but, but people are living normal lives. They're going to work. They're meeting with friends. They're engaging in all these things. But, but they don't know who Jesus is. They're busy with all of these things, and they don't know Christ, the Christ that came and gave himself for us. He lived the life that we couldn't live, and and died the death that we should die. But he rose again. And because of that, we have grace. And so, does this picture, you know, this isn't, this isn't a Copenhagen issue. This isn't a Chiang Mai, Thailand busyness issue. What I want to convey to you guys today is that this is a, a North American issue as well. This is a Mississippi issue. This is a Olive Branch issue. People are busy. People have put Jesus to the side. They don't think about him. They just live their lives. In the next section, uh, there, there's some spiritual emptiness around the world that I want to take a look at. And uh, this, this first picture here is a, a picture of a church. And uh, if you've been to Europe, you've, you've seen some of these beautiful churches. And if you haven't been to Europe, you may have heard about the beautiful churches all across Europe. And it's just true. There are beautiful churches all across Europe. I've heard it said this way, that uh, Europe is as spiritually poor as it is materially rich. Let me say it again. Europe is as spiritually poor as it is materially rich. Really, Europe's a rich nation. Um, could, could, that be, could that be said of America? We're, we're a pretty rich nation. Are we spiritually poor? In Denmark specifically, they're, they're classified as cross post-Christian, post-Christian, that means beyond Christianity. And I love the way that uh, a guy named John O'Sullivan, he's a, he's a columnist, he's a journalist, he, he put it, I love, it, I love the way he put it, he said, being post-Christian means that we were once Christian, that's the idea of post-Christianity, and he says, a post-Christian society is not merely a society in which agnosticism or atheism is the prevailing fundamental belief. It's a, it's a society rooted in the history, culture, and practices of Christianity, but in which the religious beliefs of Christianity have been either rejected or worse, forgotten. And that's really where they're at. That's really where the majority of the normal Danes that, that walk the, the streets of those, those squares and, and get in the subway and ride their bicycles They've forgotten Christianity. Uh, another way to look at it is uh, 
a person living in a nominally Christian society who has turned away from the Christian faith or has been brought up without reference to it. So it's not even being referred to as they're being brought up. And so what does that lead to? I would suggest that leads to the very next picture that we see in the same church that was so beautiful. The inside, the outside of it was beautiful. The inside of it is beautiful. But the inside of it looks like this most of the time. On any given Sunday, this is a state-run church, and on any given Sunday, maybe there's 50 to 60 people in that big old church. Uh, the, the, the pastor there may or may not believe actually what he's teaching. A lot of it is empty pews. That's what they are, big, empty churches. In the next picture, there's a, a picture of a beautiful church that's uh, right across the, the street from the, the, uh, the castle the, where the queen lives. And it says on there, Herons or Blea Evihil, and, and that's in Danish, and it means the, the word of the Lord remains forever. It says it on the front of there, but there's not very many people that actually believe that that's true. I wonder sometimes, do we believe that's true? You know, we as Southern Baptists, we, we believe in the word of the Lord. We believe it's foundational for everything that we, we base our belief in. But there's sometimes we don't really act like it. And the next picture shows, again, an empty church. Again, there's, there's just commonplace all throughout Europe, not just in Denmark. So it's, it's different in Thailand. In Thailand, there, there's a spiritual climate. There, there, you know, there's, they think about spiritual things. In the next picture, it'll show you a, a little bit of a, a picture of spiritual emptiness in Thailand. This is a, a temple in the background. They call it a wat. In the next picture, you, you'll see some, some Thai folks kneeling down um, in front of statues and meditating or, or praying to these statues. The next picture uh, that you'll see is a, a golden statue, many of them, actually. You know, when, when I was, when we landed in Chiang Mai, Thailand, I, uh, I don't know that I was completely prepared for it, but uh, some of it was actually like we, we stepped out of the New Testament church and into the, the Old Testament church. And uh, I was doing some daily Bible reading at the time, and, and I just came across Isaiah 44. And it hit a little different than I had ever read it before when I was in Thailand. And in Isaiah chapter 44, you don't have to turn there, but in Isaiah chapter 44, in verse 14, it says, He cuts down cedars, or he chooses a cypress tree or an oak, and lets it grow strong among the trees of the forest. He plants a cedar, and the rain nourishes it. Then it becomes fuel for a man. He takes part of it, and he warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. He also makes a god and worships it. He makes it an idol and falls down before it. Half of it he burns in the fire. Over the, half he, over the half he eats meat. He roasts it and is satisfied. And he also warms himself. Aha! I am warm. I've seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes into a god, his idol. And he falls down to it and he worships it. He prays to it and says, deliver me, for you are my god. And you know, when I read that, after being in Chiang Mai and seeing some of these these temples and these wats and these statues that people fall down in front of. I was so convicted. It just jumped out to me how we worship the living God. The living God. And they fall down in front of these statues. 
But I think what I was most convicted about is, is not, it's not the lost people. The Lord, so go with me here. The, the Lord loves Thai people. He wants to see them come to faith, come to know him. He's drawing himself to them all the time. But, w- but what hit me so hard is we do this in America. We as believers do this. We fall down instead of in front of the living God. We fall down in front of money. We fall down in front of politics. We fall down in front of family, friends, our work life. It's no different for us falling down in front of those things here in a first world American culture than it is for Buddhists falling down in front of these idols in Thailand. In the last picture there is a uh, spiritual, I mean, a spirit house. Um, the spirit house is, is so interesting to me, and I included this one just because I, I just don't quite understand it. And, um, you know, they, they have these spirit houses, and it's supposed to keep spirits away from wherever they have these spirit houses. So most Buddhists actually have these houses in their, uh, Thai Buddhists have these houses um, near their property or if they live in an apartment, they'll have a little uh, shelf that they have them on and they'll put food up there to appease the spirits and they'll put, interesting enough, they'll put a lot of Fanta up there as their drink of choice that they'll put and they'll put a straw in there. Uh, and a few days later, there'll be nothing drank out of it and the food will go bad, it'll rot and so they'll have to throw it away and they'll put new food up there. It's really interesting. But it's just a picture of the spiritual emptiness around the world. So it's all doom and gloom. There's nothing good going on. And I I said earlier, when we read through chapter 15, the Lord rejoices and celebrates when lost people come to faith, when people come to know him. And that's what we want to do in in this next section is acknowledge that God is at work around the world and some of those specific ways that God is at work. So if we go to the first picture, we'll see some of those same Buddhist monks that people come to and give their, uh, give their money to or give their gifts to. You can see them sitting there. This is before I moved to Denmark, the land of the Vikings. Um, but sitting there, and we were able to have monk talk time. And so they invite you in to have monk talk time, and they, they would talk about whatever you wanted to talk about. And so we would talk about Jesus, this person of Jesus, who he is and what he'd done. And have a great time. In the next picture, there's a picture of a, uh, a village that we would go to. This is a kitchen table. Their kitchen table looks a little bit different than the kitchen tables in Olive Branch or the kitchen tables in Copenhagen, Denmark. But this was a family who would welcome us in and give us rice and give us water and, and, and say, yeah, please. We, we came and we taught English through Bible stories to the, some of the village Thai people there, the kids. And just had a great time. And, the, and the, the family that lived here was so welcoming and so humble. In the next picture, this is a, uh, a picture of a, a Bible study. It's the first night of a Bible study, actually. The first night that we were in uh, this lady's home. Uh, she's the one who took the picture. But uh, I, I uh, have a master's degree from a Southern Baptist seminary. And I was uh, trained to go overseas by the International Mission Board, which... We can also be proud of that, the way they train us to go overseas. Uh, grew up in the local church. Um, I've been around people all my life saying, 
We need to get the gospels to the ends of the earth. And I'll be just confess to you guys, I probably didn't believe it until I was in this person's uh, living room and that lady right there in the center, uh, after we told her the story of, of creation all the way through Christ's resurrection and coming again, and she looked at me and said, I've never heard anything like this before. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. My unbelief. Lord, help my unbelief. In the next picture, it shows a, a, a picture of that Bible, that same Bible study. The, the room is about a, a six by eight. Basically, I could only fit in it. <laughs> I was pretty big for being over there. And uh, as more people came, we moved outside. We just moved out to an outside table. We'd sit out there. We'd study the Bible. We'd learn more, more about Jesus. In the next picture, it shows uh, an even bigger group. People would come by. They'd walk by. They'd say, what are you guys doing? We'd say, we're studying the Bible. Do you want in? And they would come and sit down and study the Bible with us. Really cool things that the Lord is doing just by us being obedient and going. In the next picture, it shows our family here, our, our small group. This was really our family within Thailand. And uh, we, came, we got to do a lot of life with them. And we were so thankful for them while we were there. So the next picture shows you a, a, a picture of our local church in Thailand. We don't do anything. Your IMB missionaries that you send out, your International Mission Board missionaries that you send out as Southern Baptists here, we don't do anything on our own. We all join in the work that the Lord's already doing, and we all join a local church. And so this is a picture of our local Thai church. It's, it's smaller than that section of uh, pews over here. It's not very big, but they are faithful and they're uh, trying to reach their people with the gospel. In the next picture, it shows Casey, who was doing a women's ministry event where she was teaching the Thai people how to, how to make an ornament or some cookies or something like that that she was able to do. They really enjoyed things like that. In the next picture, it shows a women's Bible study, which is a mix of uh, believers and non-believers who were coming together, and this is a Christmas celebration that they were able to have. In the next picture, it shows one of our, our dear friends, P.O., who came to faith and was baptized. In the next picture, it shows a picture of P. Nit, one of our best friends there in Thailand, who came to faith and was baptized in case he was able to disciple in our home on a regular basis. You see, the Lord's at work. The Lord's doing things. The Lord's doing things whether we go or we don't go but the Lord wants us to be obedient to him. And whatever that may be, whether you cross the street or you cross the world, he wants us to be obedient to him. In the last picture here from Thailand, before we move on to Denmark, it shows a picture of uh, a summer camp that we went to that was Thai Baptists. And so all of these folks here are Thai Baptists. Like we would gather together in a, in a DeSoto Baptist conference or a Mississippi Baptist convention or the Southern Baptist convention conference where we gather together and we fall on our knees and we pray that the Lord would use us in some way. And we cry out to him. That's what those people were doing. They spent three days and they invited us to come with them and spend three days with them. Where they were trying to figure out how to reach the people of their nation for Jesus. In the next picture it shows how different it is in Denmark. So this is our local church within Copenhagen, Denmark. It looks different than our church in, uh, in Chiang Mai, Thailand. But in the next picture, it shows what we do. 
a lot of times we have, we have chairs that are flexible. It's really cool to have uh, just seats that you can move in and out. So a lot of times we move the chairs out and we try to welcome people in. And this specific event here that we're having is a, is a discipleship and a, um, a, a seeker-friendly type of event where you invite people in and, and tell them about Jesus and, and invite them into further conversation. We always do it. I don't know if you can see at the very front there. We, we, we do almost all of our ministry around food because everybody likes food. The next picture is a, a picture of our small group. So this, again, is, is Casey and I's small group in Copenhagen. And uh, this is outside of Copenhagen. We got outside the city for a few days and went to, uh, that's the tallest waterfall in all of Denmark. So we visited that. Denmark's really flat. It's a lot like the Mississippi, Mississippi Delta farmland outside of the big city. In the next picture, it shows a, 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 us inviting the community around us into certain events. This was a, a, a holiday that we have in Denmark, and it's called Passalown, and, and uh, we invited the community in, and we engage in, in, them, in the community with uh, spiritual things and scripture and, and uh, try to reach uh, kids and families. The next picture shows a picture of the inside of our church. So in Denmark, the, the, in, the, in the dead in dead winter, the sun comes up at about 9 o'clock, 8.45, 9 o'clock, and it really just hovers, and then it starts to go, I mean, I, I mean, like, when it comes up, it really starts to go down, but it's pitch black dark by 3 o'clock, 2.45, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and it's a hard time because it's cold. We don't get a ton of snow because we're on the coast, so we get rain. We get rain, wind, and darkness, and so a lot of those churches that we, sh we, sh we showed earlier, their doors are shut. And so a few years back, we just decided, hey, let's, let's open the doors of our church and, and turn the lights on during this dark uh, season and see what happens, see what the Lord would do. And the Lord, you guys, the Lord's at work. And we opened those doors and we did nothing else but pray. And people just came in. People who had no faith background, didn't believe. Look, a lot of them left with no faith background and didn't believe. But we were able to engage with them on our turf because they walked through the doors. And only because we prayed, we sensed the Lord leading us to do this, and we opened the doors. It was an awesome, awesome thing for the Lord to do for us. In the next picture, it shows... Uh, a picture at a college campus. So I'm going to get in a little bit of trouble for this from the young crowd, but I, I'm a firm believer because when I was a young person, I, I didn't have a really nice car. I kind of had a, a fixer-upper car. And I think all young people should have a fixer-upper car. Even college students should have a fixer-upper car. I think it's a good life-learning lesson. Well, in Copenhagen, college students have fixer-upper bikes. <laughs> so we would go to college campus and we would offer to fix their bikes, two basic things, um, you know, fix a flat, uh, tighten a chain, fix the brakes, and, and we saw some really, really bad bikes. But when we would engage, when they would, we would fix their bikes, we would engage in, in conversation with them, we would invite them later on uh, to, a, to an event that we would have at our local church, and, and this is a picture of it, the next picture that's there is a picture of the outside of our, our church on one after one of these big bike fixes that we invited people into. And uh, you can see we transformed kind of the, the outside of the church and make it, make it friendly. We roasted a pig here, and two pigs actually, in this one. 
And uh, if you go to the next slide, it shows a picture from above of, of that night. And it was it's such a special thing when we do this event that all of these college students are coming in. Number one, we give them free food, which is part of the deal, right? Everybody, like all college students like free food. And, uh, but we were able to sit around these tables and have table, t- talk time where we, we listened to the speaker, the speaker talked, and then we debriefed what he said. And it was some of the most really cool spiritual conversations that you can have. And you know what? College students are dying to talk to people. They really are. They're interested in talking about all these things. They're interested in learning more. They're interested in going deeper than just a surface level. Out of that, the next slide shows a, a picture of our college group that we, we started and we, we, hung out, we hang out with. Our, our kids, we just bring them along. Um, the college students love them. And so we're, we're, we're one, one small, big, happy family. Uh, the next picture shows one of our college students who went on a, a mission trip to Uganda. And she came back and gave us an update on how the mission trip went. The next slide shows a, a picture of Thanksgiving. Danes love Thanksgiving. It's, a, it's crazy. It's not a holiday. We all go to work on Thanksgiving over there. and We go to school on Thanksgiving. But they love it. See, they've all watched the sitcom Friends. And their dream, I'm not kidding, is to be part of American Thanksgiving. And so we've, we started with one. I think we're up to four. Next, when we go back and next, uh, next Thanksgiving, we're planning teams from the U.S. to come. And we're hoping to have three Thanksgivings at our church where we move the chairs out and bring the tables in and fill that place with, with people who want to experience American Thanksgiving. One of the specific things that came out of American Thanksgiving is, take, is Casey would put this, this brown, and I, this is a cool thing you guys should try here in, in America. Put this brown uh, wrapping paper is the best way I can describe it. I'll get in trouble for that later. I don't know what it is. Wrapping paper across the table, and she writes, I, I am thankful for, in Danish. It's, it says, I am thankful for. And then throughout the night, people just write things on there, what they're thankful for. And, and, and I share a little bit about what we're thankful for, and we're thankful for Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross. And, but, but a lot of our friends that come, they're not, they're not believers. And they're, they write all kinds of cool things. One of my best friends, he's not a believer. He, he wrote, on, wrote on there, thank you for inviting me to one of my bucket list items of an American Thanksgiving. In the next picture, it shows a picture of, of me and our pastor. And uh, the, the pastor there's on the left. You can't see it. He's got a, he's got a beard maybe. That's, that's short right there. It's, right now, it's probably down to here. I'm trying to catch him. I'm doing my best. It just takes some time. But we're doing an evangelism training at a, southern, at a, at a Baptist um, camp that we were able to go to. And, and the last picture here that I'll show before I, I, I get to ready to close out is a picture of Danish Baptists gathering together. Danish Baptists from all around Denmark gathering together, together, cooperating together, seeking the Lord's face. Because they know without prayer, nothing's going to happen in that country. And we know without prayer, nothing's going to happen in Denmark. And so they gather together and they seek the Lord and they pray for the Lord to to work in mighty, mighty ways in their country. So in closing, we're so thankful again to be here. We can't go if you don't give. That's the bottom line. But the giving is secondary to prayer. 
we wouldn't survive over there without your prayers. That drives every piece of our ministry is prayer. And so if you can't give, that's completely fine. Please, please pray for us and pray for your nearly 3,500 missionaries worldwide that are seeking to, to serve Jesus and to make his, his name known amongst the nations. Before we uh, close out, I wanted to, to let you know that if you're here today and, and, you know, number one, if you're thinking or ever thought about missions in your future, if, if the Lord has laid it on your heart, uh, we would love to talk with you after the service. We'll be around. We'll also be uh, out there at a little table that we have with some Danish flags or the red flags. Um, please come talk to us. There is, uh, you may think you're, you're here and you're set and you've never, um, you, you'll never leave Olive Branch. And I would just say, hold your hands open like this when you pray and see what the Lord does. Um, there's places globally for anybody in this room, from an accountant to a surf instructor, to a, a professor, to a teacher, to a pastor. There's places for anybody and everybody. The second thing I would say is, is if you don't know this Jesus that we've been talking about, this Jesus that calls us to be, to, commands us to go and has called us to go and commissions us to go, if you don't know him and you want to know him, maybe over the past couple of days, maybe the past couple of weeks, maybe the past couple of months, you felt like the Lord is leading you to, uh, to come to, to just drawing him to yourself, I mean to himself. If you've thought that and you want to talk to Jared, Pastor Jared, or Michael, or whoever may be up here, please come. And then finally, if you want to join this church, um, this is an awesome, awesome church to be a part of and taking the gospel out these doors to your neighbors across the state, across the North American borders, and then globally. This is a great church to start, to start at, and they would love to have you. So after I pray, we're going to come and sing, and uh, there'll be some pastors up front. If you want to come, please do that. If you want to come and pray at the altar, please do that. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Lord, you're a king of kings and Lord of lords. And we acknowledge that uh, nothing that goes on is outside of you. You are in, in everything, Lord. Lord, we want to join in your work. Use us where you would use us. We give everything to you. Lord, we desire to make your, no, your name known amongst the city, the state, the nation, and the world. Help us to become more like Jesus as we try to do that. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.